Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Done through uh, almost a revival that we had. Man, we've had over like 60 baptisms. So many people are coming across. God's been good to our church. God's doing some fantastic things. But it kind of segues into where we're going in this series in the month of June. So if you're a guest with us this morning, my name is Shane Harrington. I am the student pastor here. Our pastor, PJ Nolan, he is on sabbatical right now, and we are wishing him well, getting him recharged. And uh, I spoke to him a little bit this week. He's doing great. And uh, he loves you guys. He loves our church, but he's just kind of getting recharged right now, exactly what our pastor needs to do. And so this morning and through the month of June, we're going to be looking uh, at discipleship, but through the lens of Paul, and I'm really excited to be able to do that. Justin Harrell, uh, one of our elders here in the church, is also going to be uh, leading us through this series. So really excited to jump in and get going on this Paul series of discipleship. But as I, as I began to think about discipleship, and as I began to think of, uh, of where we wanted to go with this, it couldn't... I couldn't help but think about, and what brought back memories for me was uh, the book of Joshua. Anybody a big Joshua fan in here? I love Joshua. One of the most fantastic stories in all of the Bible, just what he did leading. Man, he was just a leader among leaders. Man, he, he was the one that really took them into the promised land. Joshua just, he was a man among men right? He was the guy that really just got them to where they needed to go, and he was God's instrument for it. But what, we, what I started to notice as I looked at Joshua's story was Joshua, he was really discipled by who? Moses, right? And we see that through all of Scripture leading up to the book of Joshua, where a lot of times it is, it's in the Scripts there showing us that Moses was discipling Joshua over and over again. But if you, lead, if you read all the way through Joshua and you look at that story, as great and awesome as Joshua was, he never really had that person that he just took and discipled that we can see in Scripture, Right, and so began the pattern. If you read through the Old Testament, sometimes it, it irritates you or makes you mad because you're like, my goodness, Israel loves God one moment, and then the next moment they don't love God, and then the next moment they love God, and then the next moment they don't love God. It's just this continuous, vicious cycle that we continually see throughout the Old Testament. And here's my belief, a lot of it is, and why discipleship is so important, is I think that they were missing out on true discipleship and what God wanted for them. And when true discipleship is not part of the church or part of the growth in God, you're missing it. You're missing it. And it's not just you being discipled, but you actually going and discipling people yourself. And if we don't get the, y'all gonna have to wake up. <laughs> All right, and if we don't, if we don't do that, we're gonna fall, church. We're gonna fall flat on our faces. Okay, discipleship is one of the most important things of the New Testament church. I love using this illustration. I learned this a long time ago when I was a, when I was a student in a student ministry. My, I've never forgot this illustration, but it totally just defines and helps us realize how important discipleship really is. And so as I began to think about 
defining discipleship for you guys. Here it is. Follower. Woo, with some of us, we don't really like that because we like control, right? Come on. It's okay. We're among brothers and sisters in here. We've all fallen short. It's okay, church. Okay? But we, we just hate giving up that, that control, and sometimes we just don't really know how to lay it down. We don't really know how to follow because we're so busy just leading because that's what we have to do. Sometimes God just wants us to sit and allow him to reveal himself to us and us follow him. And so here's the deal. Sometimes we, we look at this and we think about, well, what did it look like for the disciples to do that? Well, there was this, there's this illustration that I love. Back in Jesus' day, the, there was disciples and rabbis. It wasn't just Jesus. But it was said when they would go into the towns that the people uh, would notice that the disciples that were following their rabbis would be covered in this dust. And as you know, in that area, it was just all desert and sand. And so as they're walking in, these people were noticing that they have dust, they're covered in dust. And what they began to say was, these disciples, they were covered in the dust of their rabbi. Can I pose a question for us this morning? Are you following Jesus so closely that you are covered in the dust of your rabbi? Are you covered in the dust of Jesus this morning because you are so closely following him that you can't help but to be covered by everything that he's kicking up at you. Can we, can we think about that this morning as we move forward? We talk about discipleship. So I know we see uh, the, the series of Paul, right? We, we're going we're gonna to look at Paul. We're going to look at discipleship. But one of the cool things that I love about the story of Paul was there's a beginning to it, right? There's a beginning to it. And really for a lot of us, there's this, this really terrible, treacherous uh, beginning to Saul's story as he was formerly known as. Right, we all know Paul and what he did for the New Testament and how many books he wrote. But what we, what we fail to sometimes remember is that he's got a checkered past, right? So in Acts chapter seven, we see that, that Paul, Saul at the time, he, he committed murder, right? He held the coats while people stoned Stephen alive. We also, or to death, excuse me. And he, we also see that further on, he's getting orders from Rome so that he can go off and he can capture more people to bring them back, throw them in prison, or even kill them themselves. See, Paul or Saul at the time, he thought he was doing everything right. You ever get that way where you just feel like you're doing everything right, but everything seems to go wrong? So that's where Saul was. He was in this, this mess that he didn't realize he was even in until it was totally taken from him. And there was a crossroads there at the beginning of Acts chapter 9 where he was blinded. Right? And a lot of us are familiar with this story of, of Paul or Saul being blinded on the road to Damascus. Jesus met him. Saul gets saved. He's fully redeemed, right? But he's still blind. He still has some trusting to go through. And in this moment and in this story, we see a beautiful representation of what discipleship really looks like. And it's through a man named Ananias. Right? And I know Paul's up there on the screen, but we don't get Paul and we don't get the discipleship that we have reaped from Paul and the instrument that God used him as if we don't first have a willing Ananias. Amen. And so as we read through this passage, I want you to notice the impact that Ananias has on Saul. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 9, 10 through 19, but here's the main thing that I want us to think about this morning. Are we allowing the Ananiases to help us in our journey? Are we allowing the Ananiases to help us in our journey? 
I want you all to think about that as we go through this message this morning. Acts 9, 10 through 19 says this, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, the house of Judas. When you, when you get there, ask for a man named, uh, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel. Notice this, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Then Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few more days. So I want to quickly just talk about three things that we can look at and that we can take from the story of Ananias. Y'all with me? Can y'all lean in with me for just a minute? Let's look at this. Ananias, let's, let's notice the first thing that we see about Ananias here. Ananias was present. Ananias was present. And we see there that the Lord speaks to him and he says, Ananias, and he says what? Yes, Lord. He made himself known that he was, he was absolutely present and ready to be used by the Lord. Can I say there's many times in our life that sometimes the Lord gives us opportunity or lays opportunity at us, and we don't really come back with the yes, Lord. Sometimes we come back with it, not right now. The TV show's on, Lord, not right now, okay? I've, I'm really busy, and I know that cashier probably needs to hear about Jesus, but not right now. Lord, I know that you're, 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 you want to use me right now, but the opportunity that you're laying in front of me, it's just not in the right timing right now. Or sometimes we even go a little bit further and we'll say, yes, Lord, I'm here. And in the back of your mind, you're already saying no. You ever get there? Like you get the, you finally, you finally get the motivation and the spirit to lead you to say yes. And in the back of your mind, before it's ever really presented, you've already said no. Because something happens, fear overcomes us, or we just get in there and we're just like, I can't do it. We give up, we walk away, we miss the opportunity. Ananias could have easily done that, but he doesn't. He says, yes, Lord, I'm here. And then God begins to give him this task. God begins to give him this, this, this step that if he is obedient to, will change the course of history. Which leads us to our second thing really quickly. Look at this. Did you notice that he said, yes, Lord, I'm here. But the second thing that Ananias was, he was cautious. Cautious. Now, this one I want to I camp out on for just a little bit because there's, there's a couple of ways that we can look at this, okay? I'm not telling you as, as, as one of the pastors here that you need to go out into the clubs, Okay? and try to win people to Jesus in that way. I'm not saying that you don't. If that's what Jesus is leading you to do, 
That's fine, but here's the deal. What I am saying is that we sometimes have to look past some of the stuff from people's past and we gotta dive into the muck and the mud and the grit. That's where true discipleship happens. It's not always fluffy games. It's not always flowers and roses when you talk about discipleship. Why? Because everyone has a story and a past that we're all dealing with. So yeah, be cautious. Look, Ananias, he's like, oh, oh, hold on, Lord. <laughs> you know that guy, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's taking people to prison. Are you, sh- are you sure? Are you sure, God? But if you notice on down, after God gives him some more instruction, what does he do? He goes and he does what God has asked him to do. He's cautious, yes. He doesn't put himself in a position to where he's going to sin, but he also isn't so cautious that he misses out on the opportunity that God's laid before him. So let me give you an example, right? So some of, some of us, we're okay with talking, we're okay with talking to someone who might deal with, you know, well, they got a drug problem, they got a past, you know, history with that, and absolutely, we need to dive in, help this person get out of this, right? But this person over here that God is leading you to, to disciple and have opportunity with, maybe their past is a little bit different. Maybe their past haunts them a little bit more, where they're a little bit more open with their life, and it looks really, really messy. Can I tell you what, church, Unsaved people are really, really messy. Just like you were really messy when the Lord met you. When Saul was running down, when he was walking down the road of Damascus, he was murdering people. He was on a mission. He thought he was doing stuff for God, but he wasn't, right? He was killing Christians. He was taking them to prison. And yet, this man named Ananias, although he was cautious, he was still present. So yes, there's going to be times where we need to be cautious. We need to have caution when we are discipling or we're discipling people or being discipled. But there's also that time that we cannot use the stories of people's past against them to not disciple them. Shame on us if that's where we stand. Shame on us if we don't want to walk right beside somebody that's in the muck, in the mud. Because at the end of the day, Jesus, or the, the, the Bible says that all have fallen short of the bar that God placed. Ain't no one in this room, that's right, I used ain't, ain't no one in this room going to be able to attain that bar. It's not possible. You can't do it. So the, but here's the cool thing. Somebody, somebody took the time to do that for you. Because they were present and they didn't let your past, your story, disrupt what God ultimately wanted for your life. Third thing here. And here we are. Ananias was obedient. It's such an easy, it's such an easy word to just look at. Such an easy word for us to say, man, I'm obedient. Y'all remember, y'all remember I preached last time on the Ten Mammoth conundrum? Some of y'all remember that, right? We're so, we're really, man, we have master's degree in theologies of the things not to do, but we struggle so mightily sometimes in the things that God has commanded us to do. We, we are commanded to share the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're commanded to tithe and give offering. We are commanded, ooh, right? We're commanded 
in certain things to not put anything before God and time and time again. We don't master in that. But when it comes to the do nots and what makes us look clean on the outside but not so much on the inside, we fall. Because here's the deal. Obedience is full surrender. I want y'all to listen to what Ananias says. I want you to listen. Through all of these things, right? Ananias just got done telling, he just got done telling God, like, hey, this kid, you know this guy's he's killing people and he's taking people to prison, right, Lord? Just making sure, right? Just making sure you realize that. Listen to what he, listen to what he says in verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. How many, how many of us would have tucked tail and ran? He laid his hands on him and said, listen to this, brother Saul. He called him brother. Brother. And sometimes that's what it takes. Even when someone is absolutely living in the filth of sin, somebody, they need you to sometimes come around them and call them brother or sister. Just put an arm around them, let them know like, hey, you're here. But God wants you here. And here's the cool thing. <laughs> you know what the cool thing about discipleship is? No matter how many times you disciple, no matter how many times you are discipled, it never ends. Until God takes your borrowed breath away that he has given you, <laughs> you are here to disciple and to be discipled. But it takes full surrender and obedience to him to do so. And so many times we want to stay away from that. So many times we don't want to be fully obedient. We just want to do what we want to do. And then when it fits God's plan or when it fits our timing for God's opportunities, man, then we're ready to go. How many times, I love it because here's the deal. Sometimes in my life, I'm just like, man, that opportunity was there and I was on it and God used me like, man, that was awesome. And then there's other times where I'm the guy that tucks tail and, run, and ran from the opportunity. And I'm like, you bonehead, why did you do that? Why do we do that? Obedient. Obedience. We're being either obedient to him or being obedient to ourself. Can't have both. And so when you think about this, I want you to think about it in this way. All right. As we look at this, and we we start we start thinking about well, how can this how can this uh, move past here? How can I apply this to help me in my life begin to be a better disciple or be better discipled by people? Let me tell you this: there are some certain things that I want you to hear because this is important. This Christian life is an absolute battle. It's a battle, and there's a reason that we're disobedient sometimes. It's because there's, there's powers that be that we cannot see, right, that are fighting, that are fighting against you. Your flesh and your spirit are fighting against each other on every single decision, right? And so we're sitting here and we're fighting this battle. Can I tell you this morning, people are battling for you. You don't even know, but people are battling for you. You may never know on this side of eternity, but there are people battling for you. Students, can I tell you this morning, your parents are battling for you. Kids, your parents are battling for you. Parents, I hope that you are battling for your kids. Because here's the deal, when you talk about discipleship, it's not my job to disciple your kids. That's your job. 
It's your job. It doesn't mean that I can't come alongside you and help you as, as one of the pastors to disciple, but you are the discipler of your home. And he wants to use you in that, well, I'm just, I'm too scared. Stop being scared and be obedient. It's okay. It's going to be scary when you start talking to your kids about things. But battle for them. You know who else is battling for you? Your family. And on top of that, how about this? Your church family is battling for you. And sometimes that battle is really sharp. Sometimes that battle hurts a little bit because you need a little bit correcting and discipling And they're trying to point you in a a better way and it comes off a little bit hard. Can I tell you, we need some hard discipling sometimes. I can can remember (laughs) being discipled really hard here, really real recent in in like less than a year, almost a little bit of a year ago. I got discipled really hard, but let me me tell you, in that moment when when that person was absolutely discipling me and it was scary and I was scared to death about what was fixing to happen in that moment, but let me tell you, it was exactly what I needed. God used him and in that moment completely wrecked and changed my life for the better. Because he was coming alongside me and he was pointing something out to me that I was, I had a blind spot. I couldn't see it and God through him revealed it to me. We need people to do that in our lives. We cannot fight this battle alone. And when you fight this battle alone, you start, you start repeating this vicious cycle of these sins that you continue to keep on and keep on and keep on commit. And then you come to church, you're like, why isn't anything changing? Nothing's changing because the obedience hasn't taken place. And you don't maybe have people around you in your life that are steering you back to that. So if you really want people to battle for you, plug into a church. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a church that you can just go in, roll in, and everything be fine. That's not how it works here, by the way. <laughs> we, we, don't, we want you to be in the battle. We want you to be in the fight, not just for yourselves, but for the person sitting next to you and across the room. Because God can use you no matter where you are in your life. He can use you. He can use your story. These people in our lives, right? The church, elders, pastors, all of these people, they're good for us, but these people are Ananias's. They are crucial. Listen, crucial to our spiritual success. Crucial. If we don't have these people in our lives, if we don't have these Ananias's in our life, our spiritual success is not going to be there because I cannot tell you enough. It's going to be really hard to be present for the Lord and to be cautious in time of caution and to be fully obedient to him if you're walking in it alone. It's going to be really difficult for you to have spiritual success. And that's what the Lord wants for you this morning more than anything in the world. But you see, discipleship, all of these things, all this stuff that we've talked about this morning, it absolutely doesn't mean anything if you don't, first of all, have that first step of obedience and following Jesus as your Savior. If you don't have that relationship with him, and here's the deal, so many of us, so many of us, we look at that person that's, that's way off the deep end, they're like, man, how is God going to use that? How's God going to do this? How's he going to use them to better his kingdom? And we look at that, and I want to caution you this morning because sometimes the person that walks into church each and every day, 
that really believes that they have a relationship with Jesus and they don't, they're the hardest people to be discipled and to begin to be a disciple. Listen to me. I want everyone in here to be in, the, in, in heaven with me one day and live in eternity. But here's the deal. Jesus has called us not to just come and sit in a chair once a week and to listen to a sermon. He has absolutely called us to not only be discipled, but to disciple people. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. And so many times we think in our story that we just cannot be used, and that's just a lie. I was using, I used this uh, illustration, and Marianne's going to make her way up. We're going to get ready for time of decision. I used this illustration with our teenagers. I didn't use it in first service, but for some reason, I just really felt like I needed to use this for this service. <clears throat> but there's this, there's this Greek word called tetelestai. Uh, I really, I saw this the other day and I was like, this is absolutely brilliant. It really helps us wrap around our minds of what God wants for us in our life. Tetelestai, here's what that means. It, is, it means in the uh, Greek, it means it is finished. That's what Jesus said as he died on the cross for our sins. Tetelestai, it is finished. And when you look at that in the business world or anything like that, when it's talking about in the business world, in Greek culture, it means that the debt is fully paid. But if you look at it through like uh, the court system that they had, it means that your time was fully served. It's fully served. It's paid for, not only paid for, but it's fully served. And in military actions back in that day, the Tetelestai, you know what it meant? The battle is fully won. You know what keeps us from being not only a disciple of Jesus, but discipling the people of Jesus? Our fear of our story and our fear of the strongholds that the enemy has in our life because we hold so tightly onto those things that we refuse to let them go and it hinders our very walk with Christ. And when we let those things go, we can finally live in this idea of tetelestai because here's the deal. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on your cross and all of your sin debt was paid for. Not only was your sin debt paid for, but your, your deserving fully eternal death was fulfilled. He fulfilled that. He tetelestai that. But not only that, the battle that you're supposed to fight, that you were going to have to fight, that you were going to lose on your own, that without Jesus you would have absolutely lost, that battle is fully won by Jesus Christ this morning. And you have full freedom in Him today. Because it is finished. The sin that you're holding on to this morning, it's finished. The grudges that you're holding against someone this morning, it's finished. Lay it down at his feet. If you want to truly be obedient to the Lord God this morning, lay it down and fully surrender and be obedient to his calling. And only when you have that full freedom in Jesus Christ will you truly be able to be fully discipled and be a disciple for him. 
Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church. Church.